Welcome, my friends, to Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about the peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up from them. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, and by the end of the show, we're going to find our sweet spot. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, and how are you doing? want to welcome you to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today we have a special gentleman that I just met, J.R. Spear. He's a, he's a hero. We'll talk about that. But he's an author. He's a mentor. He's a coach. He's a speaker. He's just overall a great guy to be around. How you doing, J.R.? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. I'm excited about being on your show. Yeah, I appreciate your your time and, and the efforts and, and the knowledge and, and and the friendship we're building. So I uh, appreciate uh, everything about you, brother. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just just meeting you. I mean, hearing your heart and what you're doing and the impact you're making in the world and the difference. You know, I mean, you you're you're attracting the right people into your world, and I want to be part of that community. All right, back at you. You know, so uh, just to let everybody know. Uh, JR does a whole bunch of things, but one of the things that really attracted we we connected at a speaker competition, and at the speaker competition, we, you start to get to know people better. And he does a lot of charity work, so he's definitely you know in that goons for good mentality. Uh, and we, you know we want to hear some about that. But I also would love to hear about your journey. I mean, your journey has not necessarily been an easy one uh, in life. Uh, you know, starting out in St. Louis. I mean, that can't be easy uh, as a Met fan, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, our journeys are, you know, not this is the straight line. So why don't you share a little bit about your, your journey, if you don't mind, JR? Yeah, I'll, I'll take you back to my childhood. So I pretty much grew up in the martial arts school and uh, since the day that I could took my first breath. My mom always owned a family business, so it was martial arts and fitness. And uh, just I have four sisters, and we all grew up in that space, in that environment since uh, since a very young age. At a very you know around twelve years old, eleven, twelve years old, I started teaching and teaching martial arts and fitness, and even to adults. So that's where my leadership skills really started to begin, and uh, and and really start to develop and form the person that I am today. I was very blessed with many opportunities growing up even in high school to travel to a bunch of other schools to be able to teach and, you know, whether it was for self-defense and awareness and, and things like that and to other peers, my age and, and different places. So that was a really cool experience to be able to do it. Um, I was a little bit of a rebel growing up, you know, once I was going through high school, I was, my mom was a single parent, five kids. I grew up with four sisters. So a house full of five women, my grandparents were very present in my life. And uh, in a huge part of my upbringing, especially my grandmother. And there was one day that I decided, you know, I well, first off, I lost my license. I lost my job and just getting a lot of trouble with, with, with the law and stuff. And I need to make some money. So I was like, OK, I don't have a job. I don't have a license anymore. How am I going to make some money? So I was like, OK, I need I need to go pawn some stuff. So I was just thinking about like the quick fix. How can I make just a few hundred dollars to pay off some of these, you know, some of these bonds that I had, whatever, with the with the court. And she, my grandma came over and I asked her, I said, hey, grandma, can you take me to a couple pawn shops so that way I can you know, make some money? So she, she said, sure. I loaded up her car and we're driving down Limburg Boulevard in St. Louis, Missouri. And she's passing by all these pawn shops. I was like, grandma, where are you going? You know, there, it's back there. You missed the turn. She's like, just shut up. You know, and just uh, you made me cry. I was like, OK, so I'm, I'm just uh, following her lead. And she pulls behind this uh, shopping center and pulls into a parking spot and looks straight ahead. And it's the military recruiting office. 
I was like, okay, what, what do you got? What do you got in store and up your sleeve, Grandma? And she said, you're, you're not coming out until you actually sign up for the branch of the service. And I was like, I'm 17 years old at this time and only a junior of high school. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. But I knew I wasn't going to say no to my grandma. So I wasn't going to – I knew that I didn't want to go Air Force. I knew I didn't want to go Army. And it was either going to be the Marine Corps or Navy. Well, the Marine Corps at that time worked – I just thought they worked too hard. So I was like, okay, I don't want to be a Marine. They're too gung-ho for me. Let me go to the Navy and try to try to take the easy way. My grandfather was retired Navy. My uncle was a Marine. And so I signed up for the Navy. Now, the funny story is, even though I signed up for the Navy, went into boot camp and right out of boot camp, I, with the job that I had, which I was actually a chaplain's assistant. Um, we, they called me RP, where I provided security for the chaplain. Chaplains are the only true non-combatants in the military. Corpsmen and doctors are non-combatants, but uh, they can carry a weapon for defense. And for me, they uh, or for chaplains, they can't even carry a weapon for defense. So that's why they had an RP that provided for security during a time of war. Now, we also provided administrative duties and things within the chapel and stuff like that. Um, but I, I never really did a whole lot of that work because I was always attached to the grunt unit, which brings me back to what I was saying before, that God had a sense of humor. It's like, okay, I didn't sign up for the Marine Corps because they were too tough. But right when I signed up uh, to be an RP and I went in, I ended up spending my entire time with the Marine Corps. Right. So and, 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 and let, me, let me just make sure that everybody understands. So you signed up. You, you know, it wasn't something that you, you chose that you knew you wanted to protect the, the, the chaplain, that you, you, you had a strong faith that that's what you, you were there to do. He, he, he was not going to be uh, – he doesn't defend himself or, or, or she doesn't defend themselves, but you were going to defend the defenseless, right? Yeah. Okay. So, well, the funny thing is I didn't sign up for that job when I, when I went into the recruiter's office. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. So I actually chose the job that my grandfather did, which was like a aviation boatsman handler. They're purple jackets that are on the ship, and they're like fueling up the the jets that, that come on. And then I found out about the RP job while I was in boot camp. So I would go to chapel, and I would uh, get to know who the RPs were and stuff like that, and get to know um, what the job entailed, and end up finding a way to be able to transition to that job during during boot camp. So. Um, I didn't know I would be shipped off with the Marines. I, so I, you know, there was a big transition period in my life from the time that I signed up when I was 17 until I left for the military. You know, that's when I rededicated my life to Christ. That's when I started to get my act straight. And that's when I started making big shifts and pivots in my life. And I was like, oh, man, this sounds really cool. I can, you know, kind of be part of ministry in a way and be able to do something good. And then why not, you know, provide security, which I grew up in the martial arts. So I was like, I, you know, I'm, I know how to, how to provide uh, self-defense and martial arts and all these different things. So it just fit really well for me. And I was like, man, this sounds like a really cool opportunity. And I have to say that job along with the corpsman is like the two best jobs in the military. I mean, there's so much diversity of what we can do. I mean, as an RP, you can be with the Marines, you can be on the Navy side, you can be in a, a chapel, you can work on a ship. There's so many different opportunities that you can you can do with it if you want to make it a long time career. So I love my job and what I did. It gave me I mean, I, I, I had a lot of flexibility, more so the majority of the service members. And because I, I came and go and went whenever I wanted to and, and got to make my own schedule and didn't really have anyone hanging over me to tell me you know, where I needed to be. I mean, I kind of knew what my job was and I, I did my job and did it well. But it was just a lot more flexibility and a lot of uh, other service members, which is really cool. So you learned a lot of flexibility, but I, I, I'm, I'm still always amazed. I mean, even when you told this story, uh, you know, that you chose to, to that. So I guess when you rededicated your life to, in, in your faith, that was a, a big pivot point in, in your life. That's a Phoenix, what, I, what I'll call is a Phoenix moment. Uh, you know, yeah. 
so how how did that happen? Right. So, tr- so from troubled teen to knowing that you want to rededicate yourself to faith, how'd that happen? Wow, uh, not many people ask me that story. But um, so I was I was hanging around the wrong wrong group of people. I was uh, smoking a lot of dope and you know just doing dumb things and stuff like that. And then one day, you know, my mom she was going to church and she invited me to the fall festival at our church in St. Louis. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic, but, you know, I ended up going there and they had like a huge carnival type steal with a bunch of games and there were a bunch of youth kids my age and I ended up meeting a girl. And so I met a girl there. <laughs> there you go. And, That's uh, always the problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, so, so here's the funny story. I met this girl. I was like, man, she is really hot. And then, and just really followed her along. She was invited, like introduced me to a bunch of people and I was hanging out with her the entire night and just had a really good time. And she, and she invited me to church that Friday night. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're going to be there. I'll be there. So I show up Friday night and she wasn't there. <laughs> so I was like, where the heck is she? But she introduced me to all these other people. So I just started like hanging out with these other, other group of friends mm. and things like that. And nothing really came from me and her. Um, but other than being good friends for the, this couple of years till I left for the military, but it was cool to see that God used her to kind of draw me in, knew what, what it was going to do to get me there. And it was during a holiday service where, you know, the pastor, it was a pretty big church. The pastor did an altar call. And, um, you know, I, I like to say I got hit by a bus and the Holy Spirit really just grabbed my heart mm-hmm. because I seriously do not remember this moment, but it was during an altar call and, you know, during worship. And I was just kind of like lost in worship. And the next thing I know, I'm up on the stage in front of the entire church. I was like, what the heck happened? How did I even end up here? And no joke. I was like, I, I don't remember walking from the seat up to the front. And it was, it was at that moment that, you know, God said, okay, it's time. I originally got saved and became a Christian when I was eight years old. But then, you know, through my youth, I became very much in, you know, a rebel and, and doing my own thing. So that was a huge pivotal point in my life because I've just been on fire ever since. And just my, my mission and my goal has always been to disciple other disciples. And uh, now my mission is my kids. So it's just really been focused on minute, like discipling my kids and helping them grow to know the Lord and things like that. So it's been a really cool journey. Um, but even even so in the military, you know, I really believe that I'm only here to share my story and the things I went through, even while I was in Iraq, because of my faith in what God had planned, has planned for my life even today. And, uh, you know, there, there was definitely some some pivotal points in my life and in the military that that changed the outcome of where I'm at today. And uh, you heard you heard one of the stories, and, and if you're if it's cool, you, you want me yeah, to you share can yeah, you can definitely share it. Yeah, I, you know, I just wanted to you know get start to get where the, the your pivot points are, your your, your phoenix moments, because uh, obviously yeah. that's a, a a powerful one. So if you'd share that with the audience, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, so that that was a huge moment where it changed my faith, and it was, it's kind of crazy because when I was uh, when I went through the time of okay, here I'm a rebel, here I'm I'm signed up for the military, don't even know what I want to do with my life, don't even know what the future looks like. And, you know, through that period where I was in the debt program, which is delayed entry program before you, when you sign up for the military and before you go in mm-hmm. and you go through a bunch of training is when I rededicate my life to Christ. And my life completely changed from that time when I signed up. And then when I actually went in the military and my, and my life literally just did a 180 360 turn at that moment when I, when I made that decision to, to follow Christ and uh, went in the military and, you know, boot camp was, you know, some people say it was, it was pretty bad experience. And I, I just found it very, uh, you know, it was, it was like camp for me, you know, because I grew up in the martial arts in a very disciplined <laughs> environment, doing pushups, getting yelled at and, and physical activity. That part was not a challenge for me whatsoever. <laughs> 
And I, I remember that it's a funny story, but I remember a time when we're a few weeks into boot camp, and I stood in front of my entire company and went up to my my, my instruct drill instructor, call them RDCs, and you know went up to my drill instructor and I was like, hey, you know, it, this is not what I was expecting when I signed up for the Navy. Is there a chance that I can switch switch and transfer over to the Marine Corps? And he just looked at he just looked at me and looked down and like gave me this evil look. He's this really tall, mean, bald guy, and uh, you know. And just kind of a terrifying guy, but I, I wasn't really scared of him. And he just looked down at me, didn't say a word and just turned and walked away. Cause he was <laughs> like, did this guy just really say that? And, you know, so for me, I found it fun when we did got to do more pushups and physical activity and do all the things. I struggled when it came to sitting in a classroom all day because, <laughs> you know, I was just, that, that's just me at that time. I just wasn't into that stuff, you know, school and education. So, but, um, yeah, so I ended up, uh, it was around that time where I asked that question, and then I found out about the RP job, and I was like, oh, I can go to the Marines while I'm still in the Navy. This is really cool. Let me go see if I can do it, and end up switching over to that. See, God brings so you where you're was, supposed to go. You know, that's the magic of life as we go on yeah. our paths. You know, God will bring you. You know, if you trust it and you put it out into the universe or, or, or in God's hands, he will definitely put you in the right room and where you need to be. Yeah, no, I believe that 100% because, you know, my experience in the military has been was amazing. You know, I had, I had a lot of rough times and I, I got in a lot of trouble even while I was in the service itself. But, you know, I was connected to a lot of really great people and some of them are still my best friends today. And, you know, that, that's a, a brotherhood, almost like people say in the fraternity in college, but in the Marine Corps, you know, you, you, make, you find your brothers and your family inside of there and they, they stick with you and stay with you for life. So, uh, so that, that, that was a really cool experience. I don't think I would have done well in the Navy. Um, so even though I was in the Navy, I was attached to the Marine Corps and I felt like I was one of them and, and part of them, and they just really took me in as one of their own. And I had to earn it though. I didn't right. earn the respect. I had to earn the right to be able to have them call me their own, but I worked hard for that. You know, I made sure that I was always physically fit. I made sure that I was out there doing the hikes and the runs and all the training that they did all the time. I would make sure I was there with them. So that way they knew that I was serious about my job and that if they needed something, they can call on me. And that that's a big piece of my mission, what I wanted to focus focus on, because part of the, the chaplain corps um, is about ministry of presence. It's about providing that moral support and that and for being there for the Marines and sailors, especially during time of need. So if someone gets injured or whatnot, we're that smiling face or that that comfort or that hope right. that you're out there. And so so that that's something that I, I really enjoyed. But in 2006 and 2007, I uh, deployed to Iraq with 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, and it was deployed with the 15th Mu, which is the Marine Expeditionary Unit out of uh, Camp Pendleton, California. So we took some, we took a fleet of ships overseas to Iraq, landed in Kuwait, and then took uh, C-17s over to Iraq. And um, you know, it, it was definitely eye-awakening moment, but it's almost like playing on a sports team where you're training all season long, and now you're going up to game day. And so that that's kind of was like for me. I was like, okay. All the training that I did was to prepare me for this moment, to prepare me for this time. And I had no clue what to expect. I mean, you just never know what, what's going to happen, when, where, or how, or you just kind of go through the motions. But all the training that you do was there to prepare you for times of chaos, times of getting ambushed, times of when something may happen that we learn to react without thinking. And that only comes through constant training. So, you know, no, no different than life, no different than business. We've got to constantly do our training, put in the reps and earn our stripes. So that way, when we are in a time of chaos, we're able to respond without thinking, which brings me to a point. Uh, there was one pitiful moment in my life uh, when I was overseas in Iraq. Now, granted, I seen a lot of death and injuries while I was over there, 
especially with the chapel. When the chapman RP comes around, you know, it's usually because something happened, someone got injured. You know, there was something that uh, some some that bad happened. So we we we've definitely seen a lot. But there was one particular moment that definitely changed the outcome of my life, and uh, it happened happened on February seventh of uh, two thousand seven. I woke up one morning and uh, was you know it was sunny outside and there was and I was going to look for the chaplain. It was early in the morning, probably like six a.m. and and I was going to meet the chaplain where we normally do over at our meeting tent, and he wasn't there. So I was trying to figure out. I was like, okay, where, where the heck is he at? And uh, you know, people listening to this need to understand, like the chaplain is not supposed to go anywhere without us. He's glued to my tip or glued to my hip everywhere he goes. So, you know, wherever he goes, I'm there with him because if something happens to him, you know, it puts us both at risk. So, so I, I am literally his weapon everywhere he goes. So when, when I woke up and went over to where we were supposed to meet and he wasn't there, it definitely put an uncomfortable feeling inside of me, inside of my gut. And I was like, okay, something ain't right. So I ended up going to our headquarters battalion and uh, getting with Com and being able to figure out where he was at and come to find out he had went out into the city of Barwana with our company battalion commander and our sergeant major and uh, decided to go for a stroll or a walk out in the city. And I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> and I'm like, OK, th- this ain't right. You know, th- it's not starting off to a good morning. He's putting me at risk. He's putting himself at risk and uh, you know, definitely put me in a very uncomfortable situation. And because that, that that's not supposed to happen whatsoever, even if even if the our commander and our sergeant major say, hey, he's going to be OK and he's fine and they're, they're going to watch over him. It, it doesn't really matter because he's my responsibility and no one else's. That's why that's my whole whole purpose of what I was supposed to be doing. So I had to find where he was at. And then so I called Com and I was like, OK, where 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 can we meet at? Found a walking checkpoint down in the middle of the city by the river. And then I found a convoy that was going to go down there and provide supply to the Marines that are down there at the FOB, which a FOB, those listeners, stands for Forward Operating Base. And where we were going to meet was a walking checkpoint where we searched everyone walking in and out of the city. So I got I got in the, got with the convoy, and I got a Humvee. I was driving the Humvee, and while we're driving, something just fell off. I was like, okay, the day's not starting out right. I don't know why the chaplain is gone. Puts me in a very uncomfortable position, and I just feel really uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, what's going on? Every time I got behind a Humvee, I always prayed Psalm 91. I, I memorized the verse and the, the entire thing, and I just always spoke it over me. And, and those listeners out there that don't know what Psalm 91 is, you know, it's a verse inside of the Bible, and there's one particular part that says, A thousand at your side may fall, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near, you shall not be touched. So th- that's pretty much depending what version that you do, that you read. That's a big part of it. So I knew that I was praying words of protection over me every time I got in there. And I was more terrified every time I got behind on V because you never know if you're going to hit an IED or what, if something was going to go on. So it was always kind of a little scary when you got behind that wheel. So I got in the convoy. We're heading down towards this checkpoint and we get there and the chaplain's not there yet. So um, I'm, I'm hanging out with another Marine in the center walkway where people that are walking in and walking out of the city and talking to another Marine, his name's David Emery at the time, and uh, and just kind of, you know, having fun with the locals, talking to them as they're walking by, being a smiling face and waiting for the chaplain to get there. Chaplain, Sergeant Major, and the CO end up getting there. And in the in the walking checkpoint, there's a middle courtyard with a building on the side that, you know, the, that we did for overlook so we can see out in the city of the people coming in and out. Well, at that at the walkway where there was this intersection, the chaplain was in that little courtyard talking to another Marine. I knew where he was at, but I couldn't see him. It was blocked by some HESCO, which is a a barricade stuffed with dirt. That, so that would take the impact if there was a blast or something that would happen. 
So I'm standing at this center section with uh, with uh, Corporal Emery, and you know, there's a center walkway that we can see both people coming in and out, and it was separated by big two um, concrete walls. So that way, you know, that that had that separation there. And then there was like a feeling in, in my gut it was like, hey, you need to move. Go find the chaplain. And I didn't respond. And I was like, okay, you know, then a few minutes goes by and he's like, hey, you need to move. Like, and it just, I, I got that voice almost like three times in a row. And by the third time I, where I was almost feeling nauseous, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting ready to throw up. It's like, what the heck is going on with me? I just felt really sick. It just hit me within seconds. And so I was like, okay, let me go, let me go check on the chaplain. Let me go see what's going on. So I'm walking and as I'm walking and I'm going around a turn, my sergeant major ends up walking past me. And as he's walking past me, I greet him as we do to our senior personnel saying, good morning, Sergeant Major, looks down at me, deep voice saying, good morning, RP. And then the the guys that were walking through that coming into the city, as I crossed that turn and as uh, the Sergeant Major passed me, the guy that was walking through then lifted his arms and strapped with a C4 and blew himself up. Mm. So it was a suicide bomber and uh, and and, and blew, blew himself up. And it ended up, uh, you know, it, it was the biggest bloodbath you could ever imagine. I was feet. I was standing literally feet away from him when this happened. I was thrown left unconscious and you know, not really knowing what exactly happened. And, um, you know, it had straight tunnel vision. I thought it was mortars that were coming in. We didn't know exactly what happened. Um, but all I know is like, I, I had numbness on the entire right side of my body. I couldn't hear on my right ear. Even today, if I touch the right side of my face, there's my left, there's a completely different sensation. Mm. I didn't know if I had an arm blown off, if my leg was blown off because I couldn't feel anything. I had straight tunnel vision on my left and right. But the only thing I could see was the chaplain was crawling on the ground, trying to get to safety. And I saw him just straight ahead of me. And I grabbed by the back of his flak. I saw um, either it was either my my company gunny or my first sergeant, um, you know, screaming or waving. I couldn't hear anything. So I grabbed him by the back of his flak and I'm crawling as fast as I can trying to get him up underneath the shelter to make sure there was any safety. Unfortunately, uh, I was able, once we got under there, I was able to stand up and walk in when we got in the shelter, checked to make sure I had all my limbs and, and that I was good to go. And then I went out and checked with the other Marines that were you know, assessing the area, doing different things and, and stuff like that. A Sergeant Major that ended up walking right by me when that blast happened, he was standing right where I was at next to Corporal Emery for uh, when it when it took place and he ended up sacrificing and and paying the ultimate sacrifice and dying during that blast david emery um he ended up losing both of his legs and we lost our, we lost our interpreter jimmy and then another marine jennifer purcell during that suicide bombing so it definitely was the biggest chaos that ever could have taken place and a big bloodbath but through that traumatic event the, the biggest thing that i learned to recognize from that experience and I didn't even look at this and understand it until probably over 10 years later. Yes, it was a very traumatic event and it still affects me today. And I still think about it every single day of what took place. But the, the really cool thing is, as I reflect on it, was seeing how everyone reacted during the time of, time of chaos. Everyone got up and responded and did exactly what they needed to do. The corpsman got to the injured, the comm. Uh, communications department ended up calling out for he the helicopters to come in to evacuate the injured. You had other Marines that went out and patrolled the city and make sure there was no other danger. We ended up taking control of the other people that are standing in line trying to get in and out of the city to make sure that there weren't any more threats. And everyone responded to do what they needed to do, and they did so without even thinking. And that only happens through constant training. So mm -hmm. in business and in life, 
if we want to get better at anything that we want to do, if we want to get better through trauma events, if we want to get better in business, if we want to get better at sports, it doesn't matter what it is. We have to constantly be practicing and perfecting our skill sets so that way when we are in a time of an ambush, in a time of chaos, in a time that throws us off balance, that we're able to react and respond without thinking. So how many times have we complained about standing on that rifle range in the middle of the rain coming, you know, pouring down on us as hard as we can be, and we're throwing thousands of rounds down the range just practicing and making sure that we got our sights dialed in, we, we knew how to control our breathing, and we're able to get the rounds on target, on site perfectly every single time. Or being able to put on a 70-pound pack, heading out on a hike in the middle of O-Dark 30, you know, just to go practice walking in the middle, you know, with your commander and what or your company to do whatever you got to do to practice carrying that weight or practicing all the drills, the patrols, and everything that we need to do. Even though and, we and complain about that stuff. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, no, no, I just want to, and, and that's what's taught you to where you're at now to be in, in successful in business about leadership and, and organization. And, you know, all these things is you, you learned not only through that experience, many different things, but one of the things that you learned that I'd love to hear more about is not only about your leadership. Obviously, you knew that, you know, after you checked yourself, you went to go look for where the chaplain is. And, you know, that's huge, right? You know, most people would be like, oh, I'm going to, Whole whole ass, you know, the other way. You went to do your job. You knew what your job was, and then you've used it to create a bunch of processes to be successful in business. Why don't you explain to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So within within my company, I teach something called the ICE method. And excuse me. So it stands for first identifying your threats. And you know, when when you're in business or when you're you know creating a plan or when you're trying to identify different things to make, to know exactly how to help solve problems. You need to identify what is the threats. Well, for us, the threats in the military could be learning to come against an IED, learning to come against suicide bombers, learning to come against like any type of dangers. But we train and practice for all those different problems that we would come against in business. We need to identify the different threats as well. So what are the problems that you're going to come against inside of business? Let's take it from the business owner standpoint. The business owner needs to identify the different threats that may that may come their way, which could be something like COVID, a pandemic. Were you prepared for when that happened so you're able to still continue business even during a pandemic or an employee quits or you have a client that quits that you were depending on that income? It could be a wide range of things. What, what if you get sick and your kids get sick and you're not able to show up for work? Are you prepared for those different times and, 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 and chaos? The other thing from your client standpoint, when you're identifying different threats, what are the problems that they might come against? You need to know the problems that you are solving for your clients as well, so that way you are prepared to be able to serve them and help them and achieve the big promise that you gave them when they joined your program. So the first thing is identify the threats. Once you identify the threats, the second thing of our the second method within our ICE program is creating that plan. So you got to create the systems and processes that's going to take to make sure that you're prepared to solve those different whether for your business or for your clients. You got to create that plan. And the last piece is the execution. You got to execute the plan that you just put in place. And that's where the military is really good. And I think the Marine Corps is the best at this because there's a system and there's an order for everything. So we identify the threats that we're going to be able to come against. We identify the potential things that we might have problems or explosions, whatever it may be. And we created a plan. We created the training everywhere we went. And before we even set up on deployment was constant training to making sure that we are prepared for the time of chaos when something actually happened. And that's why I call it an ambush. An ambush in anything that throws us off balance. And are you going to be prepared for that? Most people aren't. 
But if they want to make sure that they are recession proof, if they want to make sure that they are ready for battle during a time of chaos, during a time when they get ambushed, they got to create that plan and they got to execute that plan to make sure that they are battle ready. We'll be back in a moment. Hi there, I'm Lainey. And I'm Estella. And we're interrupting this podcast because we have a question for this audience. Do you or someone you know live with a disability or a chronic condition? If yes, you're not alone. One in five people in the U.S. do. We're the hosts of the Embrace It podcast, where we share tips, tools, and inspiration for everyday living with all types of disabilities. Our interviews with badass disability advocates will boost your confidence in all areas of life, including travel, fashion, relationships, career, and more. So walk or roll on over to your favorite podcast player and subscribe to Embrace It with Lainey and Estella. And now back to the show you were listening to, another great show produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. You're listening to Peace, Love, and Bring It Back with me, Uncle Dave, Dave Schmetzky. So what type of, who's your perfect avatar, uh, people that you like to work with because I know and, and I also want to make sure that we talk about the volunteer work that you do you do it you, you give back so much uh, in, in the veteran community as well as uh, in so many other areas so I, I'd love to hear who are the people you like to work with uh, you know to help out yeah so I mean my my ideal clients that I love to work with honestly are the small business owners I love working with coaches people that want to make an impact people that want to be able to help other people and it goes, it, I, I really identify that when I had my fitness business. So when, uh, after I, I started my martial arts school, and I sold that after a few years. I, and I, I launched that shortly after I came back from Iraq and I started a, a boot camp business. It was called PowerFit Bootcamp. I was all over St. Louis, Illinois, South Carolina, and North Carolina. But it was during that time when I was helping, you know, teaching fitness and helping a lot of people that I, had, I built a massive team of instructors and managers that I just loved coaching those people. I love teaching them business and strategies and processes and putting together a plan so that they can become better professionals. So in 2017, I started consulting. In 2019, I started full-time consulting and helping small business owners and coaches really develop that plan of action so that way they can you know, start, grow, and scale their businesses. And so everything from putting together your business plan with the, you know, the, and then brain and positioning, putting together your systems and processes that allows you to scale. And that's kind of the formula that we do. But anyone that's a small business owner, ideally coaches, fitness coaches, business coaches, life coaches, and, and those people that are looking to make an impact and a difference, that's my ideal client. Uh, when it comes to my charity work, you know, I, I do I, I do a lot in the veteran community, especially here locally. Uh, there, there's an organization called Veterans Growing America. And uh, the, the founder of it, his name's Donnell Johns, and he is a retired sergeant major in the Army. And uh, definitely gotten close to him and really been helping him greatly with you know, a lot of different things that he's doing. And he focuses on three key areas, which is going to be for veterans and business, uh, employment and education and helping them be able to get their feet off the ground, connecting them together, networking with each other and just really being there for for each other. And, and just like in the Marine Corps, we always say, like, we never leave a man behind and we always look mm. out for each other. So that's that's something that I love about his organization. He is not uh, yet a 501C nonprofit. He's been in business for a long time. But he, his five hundred one C will be launched by the end of this month because I told him I was like, you need to turn, you need to turn this into a five hundred one C. So he he did that. It should be alive by the end of this month. But I've really been helping him, 
you know, kind of with, with his organization, what he's doing and just the networking and bringing other veterans together to really support, support them. And that's been truly an honor because, you know, like I say, I just want to give back and be able to help the veterans, our community, because we, we have the commonality and kind of can help each other go through with what we went through. Well, th- th- that's the part, uh, you know, I'm not a veteran. Uh, you know, uh, my, my dad was a veteran and both my grandfathers were. And so, but I've always given back to a, the veteran, veteran community. That's what I always find in the veteran community. Nobody goes, oh, I need help. Uh, you, you know, uh, not only because men generally don't do it, but in the veteran community, you don't even generally hear, hear the stories and it's, you know, you, you got to figure out. And that's why I, you know, trying to connect you with uh, my, my friend who, you know, Richard Kaufman, who you knew, which I was really glad because, you know, it, it's this whole, you know, we're in the same area. You, you guys are veterans and I know he has a special, uh, well, as you know, he, he has a special and he's been on my, he's been on the show to talk about veteran stuff. And, and that's what we have to do is not only just say thank you for doing your service, which we always say thank you for doing your service, because, you know, it's really on yeah. your shoulders that we all live our, our lives. Uh, you know, for, you know, it, it's a tradition that we have in our country is those who, who have given, you know, luckily that, that blank check wasn't written. But as you shared in the story, sometimes that blank check is given. I, I had a cousin uh, who paid the ultimate sacrifice in Afghanistan and, you know, that's really, you, you just never know, but how you can uh, apply it to everything else. There's so many different ways to do that. And uh, I, I love that you, you give it back. And there are veterans across America. And uh, we'll, we'll put that in the, in the show links as well, just uh, as, as an opportunity. So yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm sorry to hear about your cousin. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, so... Where I want to go with all this is so the, all this leadership has really got you and, and, and to help uh, coaches and, and, and people. Where do you see yourself going forward? You know, you, you keep growing, and, and uh, anybody who knows, and you speak pretty quickly, I speak pretty quickly. Um, where are you going with all this? You know, like, you know, what do you, where do you see yourself? I mean, you've obviously created uh, a lot of different paths. Do you, do you see yourselves going in a way? I mean, you, you started doing, we met at a speaker competition. Do you plan on doing more speaking competitions or just the uh, speaking, using that as a uh, networking? You know, the, you know, it took me more than 10 years to really start sharing my story and uh, to make an impact to help other people. And so uh, I, I really feel like God has me on this earth to make an impact and to make a big difference uh, in, in the community, whether it's going to be for other veterans or just small business owners as a whole. And so something that I'm, I'm really passionate about is getting out there and speaking and leading workshops. Workshops is kind of like what I love to do because I love to teach. I love teaching systems and processes and just really giving the formula of going from A to Z uh, for people. And that's where I really thrive. I thrive on in that environment of a room and just getting feedback back and forth and helping solve problems. So that's something that I, I, I'm, I've really been launching and doing since last year of uh, 2021 is getting out there and, and traveling and doing a bunch of workshops. Um, but for, for long term, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of consulting and coaching and really helping bring to life their people's programs and their services and what they want to do. And, you know, they may not know how to get it off the ground. And that's kind of kind of where a strength of mine that I've been really good at. But I'm, I'm in the process of launching a couple books that will hopefully be out by before the end of this year that I'm committed to getting done. One of them is going to be a compilation book with uh, telling veteran stories. Mm. So I'm working with um, Dr. Smiley, you know, Ken Rashawn. Ken Rashawn, yep. So, yeah, so he's absolutely phenomenal. Me and him has gotten really close recently. And 
and been working on a, a few different projects. So that that's something I'm, I'm in the process of working on doing the public speaking. And but something I didn't really talk about it much, but something I'm getting ready to launch soon. It's kind of been the works for over a year is a new business. It's going to be called Business Leaders Network. And the whole goal is to connect other business entrepreneurs and leaders together. And it's mm. going to focus on three key things, education, networking and connection. And so that's going to be something that we're going to be launching, soft launching this, sometime this month or next month, and then official launch October 1st. And when uh, when I go to St. Louis and do a workshop, because we've been building, focusing on building a community out there the past year. And that's kind of why I started working towards to doing this type of thing. And uh, I go out there frequently, probably every quarter to do a workshop. So that's, that's kind of what's in the future is I, I really want to just start connecting people with other people mm-hmm. that can offer service and value to each other, um, as well as providing a service to those that, that need the extra help through our you know career consulting. And then also have the opportunity to be able to share my story through other platforms and stages, one like this, and then other from other platforms um, to be able to teach, tell my story and hopefully give a message of hope. Yeah, you you definitely have a, a message of hope. I mean, from from somebody who you know was in trouble as a teen and then found faith, and then you know obviously your your military career has brought you stories. What's the one thing that you're, you're really proud of? Uh, you know, not necessarily, and it doesn't necessarily have to be job or story. Uh, what 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 makes you go? You know, like Peter Pan uh, has his happy thought. What's what's your happy thought? You know, it's my kids, because if it wasn't for my three kids, I have uh, my oldest at this time. He's six. His name's Jameson. My middle son, Rowan, he's four. And my baby girl, she'll be two in October. And uh, if it wasn't for them, you know, they're my true purpose in my life. And that, that gives me the fire to show up to do what I do every morning. So I know that if I get up and I'm doing what I'm doing, it's there to provide for them and to disciple them and to lead them to what I feel God has called me to, to do. That's awesome. Uh, now, so usually we try to keep the episodes to about a half an hour. What's the one seed you'd love to plant or, or what's the one piece of knowledge that you'd love to uh, leave, leave with us today? Yeah. So when I created my business, Creed Consulting, I was very strategic about the name of what I picked and what I created calling Creed. So coming from the military and even in the martial arts, I love acronyms. I love core values and I love ethos and something because it gives us something to look forward to. But it also gives us something of value and accountability to what we believe. And so when I created Creek Consulting, it stands for commitment, resilience, excellence, execution and discipline. Now, before I go into the one statement, I want people to understand the one thing that's keeping people from reaching the success. The very first thing is commitment. People give up too easy. They're standing on that cliff and they're so close to that gold mine that they end up getting, quitting and jumping off the cliff before they even reach it. So commitment is one of the very first thing, or we're not fully committed to the process of what we want to achieve. So what is that big promise? What is that mission? What is that goal that we want to achieve? And most people aren't fully committed to it, which is okay because we've got other obligations in our life. But usually people are not seeing the level of success that they want to do because they're not 100% committed. They're not willing to give the sacrifice and be able to do the things that it takes to get to where they want to go. So I say that because the question that I like to leave with everyone is, is to really understand what is the one thing that you're most committed to, that you're going to be resilient even through the most difficult times, that you're going to show up every day giving your best and have the physical and mental discipline to complete your mission. So what is your creed? Which ultimately, what is your mission? What is your goal? And what are you gonna? What are you willing to sacrifice to give all to making sure that you complete that mission? 
So that's one thing that I want people to resonate with. That's awesome uh, because that's really it. Uh, you know, that's why when I talk about this podcast, you know, we can talk about peace and love all you want, but it's that perspiration. You know, when I say it's part spiritual, part motivational, but it's this perspiration. If you don't do the work, you know, it's like what you said, creed, that commitment, you know, and, you know, your commitment levels could be different because you have other balancing, you know, commitments, but you have to be honest with yourself. What's holding you back and seeing what's holding you back. And I don't see anything that's holding you back. Uh, you know, I've been with you and full energy. And to let everybody know, everybody loves JR. You know, in a, in a room, they, they had a vote. Who, who is the fan favorite? And, and JR won. I mean, he's an amazing human being. And uh, I just thank you, not only for your service, which, of course, I, I thank you for your service, but I also thank you for joining uh, this episode and sharing what you have. I mean, there was so much knowledge, and uh, I'm gonna, I can't wait to listen to it a few times because I think there's a lot of gems that you, you probably hit it inside once you hear the stories uh, again and again. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show and, and being able to share your stage with me. All right. Well, thank you. And everybody, you know, just remember, we have uh, peace and love in your life is always uh, the goal. And, you know, when you need to bring a bat, you know, just make sure that you're bringing that awesome thought and hit the sweet spot and knock it out of the park. Thank you so much. And we'll see you soon. I'm really glad that you're enjoying our show. Peace, love and bring a bat is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by David Chemetsky and George Andriopoulos. Music selections by James Grant, Zach Nelson, and James Gaither, and licensed through Storyblock. Sound effects and sponsorship music licensed through Epidemic Sound. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is hosted with Podbean. Subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with all of your friends. Follow us on Facebook at Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Follow me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. You can find all those links and more info at davidshemetsky.com. For show ideas, feedback, guest inquiries, or just a chat, reach out to me at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. For sponsorship and media inquiries, reach out to peacelovebringabat at lp516.com. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Today's journey has come to a close, my friends. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember that peace and love surrounds you and will assist you to rise again. But don't forget to bring it back for what you believe in. Namaste. Namaste.